Have you ever met one of those people who just can't be stopped? It's like they're unstoppable. Yeah, I have. Me too. What's their mystique? Nothing stops these people. Welcome to Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso. You're about to meet some of the most amazing people. They've accomplished their goals despite insurmountable odds. They beat adversity, physical hardship, and traumatic events and emerge triumphantly. They're people just like you and me. And they're winners. Are you unstoppable? Here's Frankie to show you how. Hello there, and welcome to Mission Unstoppable Radio. Yeah, as usual, we are going to go on another Mission Unstoppable with a guide who keenly understands what it means to be unstoppable. She has led many missions, uh, always taking the lead, I'm sure, forging ahead with courage and grace. She understands the need for flexibility, risk-taking, and her success has often been due to her keen instincts and knowing when to trust her gut. For over 30 years, my guest survived in the concrete jungle wearing a skirt, great shoes, and a good sense of humor. I'm speaking, of course, about Judy Hoberman. Judy is the president of Selling in a Skirt. She's known around the world as an international speaker, trainer, coach, and mentor. And in 2016, Judy also became a TEDx speaker, where she passionately took the stage to address the concept of prejudging others. She's a four-time author, and her books include Selling in a Skirt, Famous Isn't Enough, Pure Wealth, and her latest book, Walking on the Glass Floor, uh, for which all of you listeners today are getting a front row seat because, listen closely, we are fortunate enough to be previewing this book. It's not even on the shelves yet, so (laughs) lucky you. Judy's become known as a gender expert, and she often speaks to the, about the differences in the way that men and women sell, work, and live differently. And her mission? Help her clients live the skirt philosophy. And I'm going to let her tell you about what all that means in just a moment. But please welcome Judy Hoberman. Hi, Judy. Hello. How are you? <laughs> I'm great. I am so excited to have you here today. Well, I'm excited to be here, so thank you for having me. Yeah, I mean, it's so fun to have you come in my sandbox because, uh, as I mentioned, Judy is a radio host as well, and she recently had me on her show, Selling in a Skirt Radio, on the Women for Women Network, and so it's kind of always fun to turn those tables and turn the mic around. It's, it's a little different on the other side. Yes, uh, it is, but it's fun, it's fun on both sides, though. Yeah, yeah, it is, actually. Yeah. Um, in this, in on Mission Unstoppable, we like to show and tell our listeners how we became that way and because everybody sits at home they go well it's good for her she's like this she's got that but it's not necessarily true so if we could just take a walk back down memory lane to little judy hoverman (laughs) when you're just a little girl um what was what was who were you what were you like were you an unstoppable girl or you know were you what was life like what was mom and dad like what was your life like so I don't think I was unstoppable back then because I was number four in five kids. And so oh, wow. I, yeah. And um, 
my father was really one that would say, girls don't do this, girls don't do that, girls don't do this. Yeah, so you get that picture. But somebody somebody once told me that when you're four or five, there's something that happens that forms why you do what you do now. And I believe that's probably why it happened. But um, my mom, I was my mom's favorite and everybody knew it. And that's not, that's not a good place to be because when she passed, everybody resented me, you know, they, and they told me that. So it's, it, you know, I mean, I sound like it was a horrible childhood. It really wasn't. Are you the only girl? I had a sister where she was, uh, yeah, so she's two years older than I am. But the, the part that made me unstoppable truly was, and that's what my TED talk is about, was when my father told me that, um, I needed to enter into beauty contests because all I am is pretty and I'll never amount to anything else. Oh, geez. So when you have that playing in your head when Mm -hmm. you're 18 and then when you're, you know, decades older and it keeps coming back, you have to, you have to do something to make yourself unstoppable because that could stop you dead in your tracks. No kidding. Right. So, so every time I go after something, I hear, you know, you're not going to be anything. You're never going to be anybody, blah, blah, blah. And so I have to take the tapes and rewind them. And people always say to me, oh, but it's nice that your dad thought you were pretty. Uh, okay. I, I would like to be pretty intelligent or, you know, whatever. So it, it's, it's always funny to hear people's comments, but for me being unstoppable meant that I had to rewind the tapes and keep going. Cause otherwise I wouldn't be able to be anything or do anything. Well, you acknowledge your grandmother, Sadie L. Yeah. <laughs> you always had to have the L there. Always yeah. have the L there, Flum, for being the first woman who truly understood you and saw that you were not just pretty, but intelligent. Yes. yes. How did how did she let you know that? She told me in no oh, okay. uncertain terms. She would she would say to me, "You are so smart. I can't believe how smart you are." And and whether she truly truly meant it or she knew what was going on, but I I I believed her and I trusted her. And so she would say to me, "So what do you want to do? What do you want to be? Let's talk about this." And she would she would bring me on that journey. And you know, and you and I really believed that I could do anything because she told me I could. And so that, that she was like, she was my first female mentor. Yeah. So That's awesome. You yeah. know, my dad was the same. Like he was the one who told me I could be anything I wanted, girl or boy, it didn't matter. So, and he never lied as far as I know. So I believed him too. And I think it makes a big difference when you have someone who believes in you. And I know that you're, you feel very strongly about having mentors and, and, you know, people who surround you that are positive. Absolutely. And, you know, it's, and it's hard because a lot of times people are afraid to ask someone to be their mentor. I always tell people being a mentor, having that relationship is nothing more than two people that actually want to spend time together. It doesn't have to be, you know, this long, drawn-out agenda. It's really somebody asking for help and somebody that has the experience to help you. And if somebody doesn't want to do it, that's fine. There's plenty more people where they came from. And so I believe that we're all put here to teach somebody else something. And, and so if it were up to me, I would just be a permanent mentor for everybody. I would. Oh, I love that. That's, that's what I love to do. I love to see that light bulb. I love to have somebody that hugs you and just say, you know, like you just changed my whole life. And, and to me, that's more important than almost anything. Tell me, did you go in the beauty contest? No. <laughs> I, had I know everybody asked that. When I did the TED Talk, I didn't you know, necessarily say it was me in the beginning. I did at the end, and people came up and said, so did you do it? I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I could have. <laughs> you no, know, it, was, it wasn't what I want. I wanted to be a doctor. Yeah. Oh, so. did you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I wanted to be a vet. That didn't happen either. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> We're very but, similar. <laughs> what did happen was that you that you want to give women everywhere the tools that they need to be successful in their careers, and and I think that's really commendable. And 
in 2016, I love this, that you, you decided you were going to help one woman a day. Mm-hmm. That was your goal. That's pretty cool. It was. And, you know, so every time I would say that, there would be somebody somewhere. If I was on my show or if I was speaking or if I was training, there'd always be some woman that would raise her hand and they, she would say, can I be your woman today? And it was very, extremely, very, 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 very humbling to me. Very humbling. And I remember other people would say to me, well, why just one woman? Why, why don't you want to do a million women? Or why don't you want to do 10,000 women a day? And so it, it doesn't really matter what your goal is. Somebody is going to rip it apart anyway. They are. But then there's all these other supporters that are saying that is the most amazing thing helping one woman a day and that's truly what it is it doesn't mean that you have to um you know redesign their entire life but when somebody says to you i want to be that woman here's why and and you can actually see what they need to do because you're not as close to their business or their life and and so you're able to help them that's what it is Mm -hmm. yeah and i love that too and you know people always talk about changing the world as a socialpreneur. Like it's really important to me to, to assist in, in changing the world in whatever way that matters. But that is a way to change the world. People always think it has to be a big, big thing. But, you know, it, it, it's a big thing when you change somebody's life or transform their life, but it's, it's a conversation. You're just Absolutely. having a conversation and seeing, like you said, seeing the things that, that they can't or others around them can't because they, they don't have your experience. Right. You and and Right. And again, they're just so close. Like I always tell people, you know, I always offer them a laser focus session. And I always say, what do you think can happen in 15 minutes? And they're like, not a lot. I'm like, okay. And so we just talk and I ask them, what's their biggest challenge? And no matter what the challenge is, I'm not sitting in front of their computer. I'm not so close to their business that I can't say, have you thought of trying this way? And nine times out of 10, that little tweak is all they really needed anyway. They just needed to talk it out and there wasn't somebody to talk it out with them. Yeah, that's what's great about coaching. Like mm-hmm. change happens like a nanosecond. I think that's it's right. so cool. Yeah. yeah, love it. So I said that we were gonna. Um, I, I was gonna allow you to talk about the skirt philosophy. What it's an acronym. Um, yeah. I, I loved in the book. You know, I said guys go. Well, I don't wear skirts. <laughs> that's okay. You don't have to. But yeah. you can still use the philosophy. Absolutely, and I do a lot of training with men. And so my again, my goal is to make sure we understand our differences and use them as assets, not liabilities. And so if you could communicate better with the person you report to, the person you work with, the person you you know you work next next to in your cubicle or in an office or whatever, it just makes sense. So the skirt is really an acronym. And when I tell everybody that, they're like, oh, but do you still wear a skirt? Yes, I still wear a skirt. Yes. Well, you got to, yes, you got to, yeah. You know. That's my brand, right? It's your brand, yeah. Yeah. So That's skirt, very cool. Yes. So skirt actually stands for, the S is for standing out. We live in the noisiest world possible. So how do you stand out and how do you actually make it so somebody would choose to work with you or how are you the expert in what you're doing? So that's the S. The K is the keys to success. There's something that you're doing that's amazing. How do we amp that up even more? How do we put that on steroids? You know, something like that. The I is inspiration. And either you inspire others or you need to be inspired. But whatever that is, you have to take those core values that you have and you have to see how they match up with your goals. Because if you are not in alignment, you can't Mm -hmm. succeed. So that's the I. The R, obviously, is results because no matter what you do, people will judge you on your results, whether it's Mm -hmm. dollars or numbers or whatever. And the T is the one that everybody struggles with, and that's time management. Yeah. 
<laughs> that's, my, that's my skirt. I love it. I think that's yeah. fantastic. Um, so we have a skirt philosophy, and I, I'm going to I'm going to put this out there, but we are going to go to a commercial break in just in less than a minute. Um, I read in in your book um, that women have relational or relationships with people and men have transactional relationships, which I find is really interesting. I want to talk about that um, when we come back, that women foster relationships in, in men. I guess they're, they're more direct to the point uh, in, in their in their uh, responses, I guess, uh, to in sales and in, in, in on other things too, really. They're kind mm-hmm. of single-minded, I think, in, in many respects. <laughs> you got it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we're going to go to a commercial break. Judy is definitely sticking around. Her her latest book is um, Walking on the Glass Floor. And when we come back, we're going to learn a lot more about that and a lot more about Judy. Don't go anywhere. We're coming right back. Don't stop. That's right. Don't stop listening. Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso will continue right after these messages. Stop. Listen up. Did you know recent studies are suggesting that women with skinny waists but sizable hips are smarter than other women? Scientists at the University of Pittsburgh and the University of California gave cognitive tests to a group of 16,000 women and girls of different body types and found the women with the greatest hip-to-waist proportions scored higher. Hmm, I guess that would make me a walking encyclopedia Britannica. No, hold on. That doesn't mean it's okay for us to be a powder pigeon. That's another name for a woman whose sizable hips can take up a whole supermarket aisle. Research suggests that the fat around fuller hips and thighs holds higher levels of omega-3 fatty acids, which helps the brain. I'm not sure if I would rather be able to do the Sunday crossword puzzle or get into those jeans I bought 10 years ago. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Dinner is typically the largest meal of the day, and Harvard Medical School recommends to take that opportunity to make sure you meet your daily quota of five servings of fruit and vegetables. Roasting vegetables is not only easy, it's also a delicious way to serve them. You can roast any vegetable from zucchini, peppers, eggplant, mushrooms, onions, to carrots, cauliflower, and broccoli. To roast them, cut the vegetables up and place on a cookie sheet lined with foil. Drizzle a little olive oil over them and sprinkle with pepper. Cook them at 375 degrees for 25 minutes. Savor roasted vegetables as a side dish or toss them in a salad or pasta. When you pile on the produce for dinner, there is less room for unhealthy food. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Visit our Facebook fan page at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. Okay, and we're back. Uh, Judy Overman is my guest, and we're going to learn a lot more about her and a lot more about what she does. When we went to break, we talked, we spoke a, a bit about <clears throat> the how the difference between men and women, and and you've been dubbed the gender expert, and so that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, and everybody wants to know how did you get that title? Yeah, how and, did you know, get that and title? I, I went to school for it. No, no, that's right. Seriously, I, no, I didn't. Um, I was on um, Fox Business News Radio for a, a while. You know, I would they would call me and ask me to comment on different um, 
stories that had to do with women or men and women or whatever. And one of them said, oh, my God, you're such a gender expert. And I thought, okay, I am going to own that. Yeah, <laughs> so, I love it. It's great when yeah. stuff comes up like that, right? Absolutely. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. Um, what's the biggest difference between men and women? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, the you know, one of the big differences is the way that we communicate mm-hmm. because men are much more transactional and women are much more relational. And before anybody gets, you know, crazy and says, well, that's not true. There are men that are relational. There are women that are transactional. Yes, that's true. Statistics show it's the other way around. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you're in sales, when I started in sales, I was told get in, get out, and get the check. That was it. Like there's yeah. no small talk. You know, you want to build a rapport, just say, oh, I like your table or something like that, and then just do your thing <laughs> and get out. Yeah. Where women want to have a relationship with the person first and, you know, know, like, trust them, and then do the transaction. And so, you know, when I was in sales, they would always say to me, you're such a girl. You take so long. Everybody's your friend. You ask so many questions, blah, 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 blah. And so I would say, well, uh, let's see. I ask them questions because I'm interested. They tell me everything they, they need and want. They give me their why. They give me referrals. And I don't have to go scouch, scrounging around for business because they give me business. Right. And, and I take care of them. So what? Uh, build relationships. So one of my managers said, well, it's probably not duplicatable, so don't do it. Yeah. And, yeah. And so I did. I kept doing it. <laughs> so, this, yeah. this is one of the things that we had in common. Um, I was about, I think I was about 19 or 20, came back to Canada. I'd been in the States going to college and I came back and I was sitting in a bar. It's <laughs> one of these bar stories. Sitting in a bar and a bunch of guys are like, you know, hooting it up and they're going, hey. And I'm like, hey. And, and anyway, they were, they're um, insurance salesmen, life insurance salesmen. Mm-hmm. And, and, get to talking, whatever, and they're going, well, of course, you could never do that. This is like 80, 1980, 79, somewhere, somewhere in there. I'm like, of course I could do it. What do you mean I can't, I can't do it? So I did it on a, on a, on a dare, right? So on a dare, I, I take the exam, I, I you know, do a little thing. First week out, I outsell all the guys. Okay, well, fluke, you're a girl, you're pretty, right. blah, 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 right? Okay, <laughs> right. second week, I do the same thing. Third week, the manager calls me and he goes, you have to sell less. I go, why would I sell less? I go, I'm on commission. He goes, yeah, well, the guys are upset, <laughs> right? And I'm like, well, why don't you tell them to sell more? <laughs> right? like, yeah. Simple, right? Or I said, you can put me on salary. Then I don't care, right? right. And, and no. So, uh, you know, I left soon after. But the, the thing was, it's the same as, as with you. But the one nugget I got out of that, and, and it was in your book too, and, a, and a, about knowledge is power. Mm-hmm. What what allowed me to knock on the door every day in sales for the rest of my life was this one of the managers said in one of those morning meetings, he said, everybody has the right to know. So instead of going to their home and going, I want to sell you something, it's like, I've got knowledge for you and you have a right to know about it. And mm-hmm. you can make the call from there on. And I thought that was so powerful to me to hear that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's funny because a lot of people say that, you know, women don't need to be intelligent because they're pretty and they get in through the door. And, you know, some of that is true. Sometimes they, people do let women in before they'll let a man in. That's true. But once you get in the door, you have to do something. Yeah. You know? Exactly. <clears throat> exactly. Yeah. So, uh, you know, guys think it's all about looks. It's not about looks. But you have, you have to be smart. And, and that is the truth. So, and you can be both. Absolutely. <laughs> that's a good thing. And, and that's you know, a good thing. 
Absolutely. And you know, the funny part for me was I was a single mom when I started insurance and my one and only job was to protect my family. That was my one and only job. I had two children and I had to protect them. And I thought, if I could protect my family, why couldn't I help protect someone else's? And if I didn't do this, what if nobody else would find your family? I mean, I would feel terrible that there's a family that's not protected. And that kept me going every single day because that was my why. And and sometimes, sometimes that's all it is, is to keep reminding yourself, you know, like you are, you can do this. This is really good for people. You are supporting, you are serving. And oh, by the way, the money comes in because you're doing the right thing, not because you're going after the money. Right. And that's really, uh, you know, a big message in, in your in your latest book, Walking on the Glass Floor. And I, I, I want to talk a little bit about because um, the the whole book really surrounds you as a as a woman or a person even being authentic and being, you know, being passionate about what you do, being authentic about what you do. I mean, you, you talk about seven leadership qualities in there. Those are two. Yeah, uh, courage, resiliency, communication, we talked about a, a moment ago, uh, decisiveness and generosity. And I want to dig into these because they're really, you know, chewable, chewable topics uh, that we can talk about. And the first one I, I really loved um, was passion. And, you, you know, you say live your life on purpose. And, and it's funny because people go everywhere looking for their passion. And, you know, do you know what my passion is? Do you know what my passion is? Just like they go looking for their purpose. Do you know what my mm-hmm. purpose is? And like you said, that's inside you. You have to figure that out for yourself. Yeah, and it's interesting because I just did a, um, a sales training for a, uh, an insurance company, and we talked about passion. And this woman actually said to me, um, so where can I find my passion? Yeah. And I said, well, what is it that you love to do? She goes, I don't know. And I said, but you will know it when you find it. No one can give you your passion because that's not your passion. That's someone else's passion. Mm-hmm. And it's not your purpose. It's someone else's purpose. And I said, just think about the things that surround you. What is it that you love to do? And then you ask, you know, the crazy question, if you were, if you could do something and you didn't have to get paid for it, is, you know, is that yeah. something, you know, so it's really hard if you don't have any, any idea of what your passion is, but I will tell you when you find it, you know, it, it's like, exactly. loving, you know, when you love somebody, all of a sudden it's like, yeah, yeah, I do love this person. You know, and so. passion, passion sometimes ebbs and flows. I, I found as I get older, sometimes it's harder to feel passion for things. Um, but then it comes along and you're like, oh, yeah, that's what it's like. Yeah, now I'm passionate again. You know, right. or if you're depressed or things like that, you know, it can, it can be hard to feel passionate. But you know what you like when you like it. That's for sure. There's no mistaking that. And you also know the people that you want to be surrounded with. You know, have you ever met somebody and you took a step backwards because you just didn't like their energy? (laughs) I mean, it's happened. But you also know who, who do you want to help? Who do you want to support? Who do you want to serve? And when you know that part of it, at least that's one piece of it. You know, so uh, there's so many different pieces of it, but a lot of it is self-discovery. Well, I, you know, we know that you're passionate about what you do because it comes through and everything that you talk about, but the you started a foundation with the walking on the glass floor and let's talk about that purpose and that passion that that you know last year it was one woman now it's many many women yeah so like i said you know that was a humbling experience for me and so i decided that i wanted to do something in a bigger way and there's so many women out there that 
need to have a mentor, that need to have somebody that can show them this is how you do it, or this mm-hmm. is your journey. You still have to work. It's not like someone's going to do it for you. So walking on the glass floor is really about making it to this particular part of your career. You know, everybody talks about crashing through the glass ceiling. This is not the glass ceiling. This is the glass floor. We want you to be on the floor. We want to keep you on the floor. We want to bring other women on the floor. We want to bring emerging leaders to the floor, and we want it to be a movement. And so one of the goals for this entire this book is um, I want to be able to give back and I want to give back in a, in a pretty big way. I want to be able to give back money to other people's foundations and charities and scholarships so that women everywhere can have the ability to succeed. And maybe all they need is that little push. Maybe it's a coach. Maybe it's a mastermind. Maybe it's a, a book club. It doesn't matter what it is, whatever they need. We want to be able to be able to um, support them. So, you know, so a company that really embraces women and really empowers women, I would like them to buy books from me, and I, in turn, will give back a good portion of the proceeds to their foundation, to their social cause, to their charity, to their scholarships, whatever. And so that's really what the foundation's all about, is to help women that are underserved or whatever that is, and um, and just, just help them. I love that. Well, that's number two, because when my book comes out this week... <laughs> It's also got a global foundation, and it's about giving. Uh, we, we want to raise a million dollars for charity, and it's about freedom. I want people around the world to have freedom to speak their mind, freedom to dress as they like, freedom to love who they want, freedom to be educated. All the freedoms that we take for granted, I want everybody to be able to to have that kind of freedom as well. And and well, so there you go. Yeah. So <laughs> I, yeah, we are traveling parallel lives here. It seems like it. <laughs> But I love it. It's great because we need everybody on on the glass floor doing this. So that's wonderful. So tell me about, um, you know, the women that that you have met. Now, some women will say, because you wrote in the book that, you know, business needs women. We need them desperately and they need to be there. Um, But on the other hand, women are sometimes not very nice to one another in business. It's true. And and I have to say in defense that you hear more about the bad things than you hear about the good things. Of course, in everything. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and I have been the recipient of bad behavior towards me from women. And that's another whole story. But, but I really do believe that, you know, that there are women that will support each other. The ones that won't support, they're threatened by something. Yeah. Someone, somebody younger, somebody prettier, somebody smarter. And really, honestly, a great leader is somebody that will elevate you because she becomes elevated. Mm-hmm. I always tell, I always used to tell people when I was a, you know, a partner, I would say, please promote me out of my position. Take my mm-hmm. position. Because if you take my position, I'm going to be elevated. And I want, that's what I want. If that's what you, where you want to be, I will help you get there. And that's really what it is. So women that don't want to help, you know, whatever. There's, there's plenty of women that do. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed with that. Um, I love that you talk about dreaming big because dreaming big is one of my passions. <laughs> We're going to mm-hmm. go to commercial break. And my big dream. Oh, no. Okay, we got a minute before our break. Um, I, I think it takes as much energy to have a big dream as a small dream. I, I, I do. I think that you just have to decide what that dream is. And if it's not big enough and you can reach it with your eyes closed, it's not really anything that you can't do. It's not really that much of a dream. It is a dream, but it's not, not like major. Yeah. 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 When we come back, I want to talk about um, bringing feminine qualities to the workplace and what that means. 
I think that's really interesting. I don't know if I've thought about it in that way that you write about it. So it's, it's pretty cool. We're going to talk about that. Um, and we're going to talk about, oh, okay. I guess we're going to talk about that when we come back because we're going to break right now. <laughs> there we go. We're going to be here with Judy Horman when she comes back. Uh, go to her website. What's your website, Judy? Sellinginaskirt.com. There you go. Always with the skirt. Mm-hmm. Remember that. That's right. Don't stop listening. Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso will continue right after these messages. Stop. Do you ever wonder if you're the only woman who runs errands in her yoga pants so it will look like she went to the gym? Or how about the only mom who feeds her kids raw cookie dough? Or are you the only one who cooks her family cold cereal for dinner? Do you need more laughter and less loudness, more self-love and less self-loathing, more joy and less judgment? You're not alone. Come to The Living Room, a place where we get comfy, candid, and confident together. Come seeking sanctuary and leave feeling renewed. We're saving a seat for you. Give yourself some living room today. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. If you are a runner or dancer, or if you play soccer, tennis, football, basketball, or any sport that involves sprinting with sudden starts and stops, you are more likely to get a hamstring injury. Your hamstring muscle runs along the back of your thighs. The Mayo Clinic tells us that a hamstring injury occurs when you strain or pull one of your hamstrings. You also might experience a partial or complete muscle tear which does not necessarily mean that you have to have surgery, but it can be painful. If you injure your hamstring, you need to take time out to let it recover with rest, ice, and over-the-counter pain medications, which are often all you need to reduce the swelling and relieve the pain. The best advice is to keep your muscles strong and active to prevent the injury in the first place. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Visit our Facebook fan page at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. We're here with the expert, Judy Hoberman. She's a sales expert and selling in a skirt. Now, Judy, um, we, I said that we were going to talk about bringing feminine qualities into the workplace. But let me ask you and other folks, do women think that they need to act like men to get ahead? And do men think that women need to act like men to get ahead? Or do they like when you bring the feminine energy into the workplace? What, what have you found? So I don't think anybody really likes when women react and act like men. I think it's confusing for everyone, including the women, but definitely for the men. Um, I also don't think it's necessary because, I mean, if you want to be competitive and aggressive, that's great. You don't have to do it the same way men do it. It just doesn't, mm-hmm. it doesn't work. You, you know, like you talk about being authentic. That's not being authentic. Mm-hmm. That's being somebody else. And in the 70s and the 80s, and you know, when the, the, the whole pantsuit and the suspenders and you had to do this and you had to slick your hair back and you had to wear a bow tie and whatever else... Okay, so you were trying to fit in, and I get that, but but you don't have to do that because what women bring to the table is really, really, really important. And a lot of times you'll hear people, like, um, instead of just coming out and saying, why don't you build a relationship, they'll say, hey, why don't you take so-and-so to lunch? 
Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's code word for let's build a relationship. You know, so we we do bring some feminine qualities, and I think that when you add the the feminine qualities to the workplace and you have the masculine qualities, I, that's what I always talk about. The differences make them assets. Mm-hmm. You know, I, women are competitive. They just don't want to be known as you're so competitive, you're so aggressive. They want to be known as wow, you really work hard. That's a different way of saying you're aggressive. Right. But, you know, and you don't want to be the bitch. Absolutely, and that's bitch. and that's what you come out. That's that's where you you become. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and it doesn't. I don't think it's necessary. But women bring like we build relationships better than anybody. Doesn't matter. That's just a proven fact. Yeah. We also bring you know empathy and nurturing. And it doesn't mean that you have to be the mom all the time and you have to kiss somebody's boo boo. That's not what I'm saying. But yeah. when somebody new comes in, what's how how difficult is it for you to take this person and introduce them to other people? You know, in the office. Well, I mean, how hard is that? Right. It isn't. And, and, and it's manners, really. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. So bringing some feminine qualities. I mean, you know, the, the being empathetic and being generous and, and being, you know, building a relationship. And just as you and I said, asking questions to show somebody right. that you're interested. I mean, and it doesn't mean that, sorry, you're, it doesn't mean that, that you know, you're, you're, that people can walk all over you because no. you're empathetic. No. And, and, and if you are, if you're doing it the other way, you know, you don't want to do that either. Right. So I think there's a, there's a balance. There's a fine line between being a man and being, you know, the doormat. Yeah, exactly. I love your tag. Women want to be treated equally, not identically. Yeah. That's, and truly all that means, I mean, well, a lot of people have a lot of different meanings for that, but sure. really all it means is that we want the same opportunities. We mm-hmm. still have to work for it. We still have to do our thing. Give us the opportunity. We want to be treated equally, but we don't want to be the same as men. We don't want to be treated the same as men. We just want the same opportunities. That's all it is. That's all it means. So let's talk about opportunities then. Because, um, you know, I believe that opportunities don't pass us by. We don't action them. Mm-hmm. Everybody goes, oh, they had the opportunity. I didn't. No, I think you had the opportunity. <laughs> Well, you probably, you're probably looking down, playing on your phone is probably yeah. where the opportunity went. Yeah, I went, <laughs> yeah, out it went. But you, you talk about opportunities um, oftentimes need risk, and you need to be a risk taker if you want to get ahead a little bit. And I think you and I have that similar risk-taking uh, personality that sometimes people don't, and that's okay. But, like, what do you think about opportunity and risk? Well, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, you are a risk taker. There's different levels of risk taking, but you are a risk taker because being an entrepreneur is something that the first thing people say is, well, you get to make your own hours. Oh, okay, because as an entrepreneur, we only work like three hours a day. Right. We don't. We work like crazy hours. The second right. thing they always say is, well, it's hard to be an entrepreneur because you don't have a stable paycheck. That is true. Mm-hmm. So you have to be some kind of a risk taker. You, I mean, you do. But I do believe that um, – you don't have to do things like you, you don't have to put your, you know, hawk your house or your jewelry or, or your car to become an entrepreneur. That, you don't have to go to those kind of risks. But you have to be willing to, you know, jump a little bit. Like when I, I was corporate for two years of my entire life, that's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it was because they needed somebody to build all their training for an insurance company, which I did. I found that it wasn't really the culture for me. It was a very toxic culture. Mm -hmm. And there were those mean girls. So, I mean, I had all of that. And so when I left, I mean, I resigned. When you resign, you give up everything. Yeah. Your severance, you give up. And I had a nice cushy job. 
let me just say. Mm-hmm. And I, I, for the first time in my life, I had like a paycheck deposited into my checking account every uh, other week. I thought, that's number three. Number three we have in common. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what, what do you do with that? So, and I, and I would say, oh, so if you work more, you get bonus. No, yes. you don't get anything like that. But anyway, but when I jumped, I was 55 years old. I was not married. I had, my children were grown and I, I mean, that's a risk. And that's when people, that's when people said, you're so courageous. And I'm like, I am. And then when I thought about it, well, maybe I am courageous and that's okay. And so, you know, you own that title too. Yeah. I love that. And that's what, that's what's so exciting about you is that you are courageous and people, people are attracted to that. And you know, but the one, the, the way or the reason you can be courageous and it's overarching in your book is that you aren't afraid to fail, but you trust your gut. And that's really important. We need to talk about that because all through the book, it's, you know, trust your instincts, trust your gut. And you trust your gut when you make big decisions. And I think it's so important. And people always say, Frankie, how, how, you know, how do you learn to trust your gut? So I, I know how I learn. Let's ask you, how do you learn to trust your gut? Well, I, I do know that if I go against my gut, I get physical pain. Like I have a stomach ache or I have a backache. It's one of the two. And it was very obvious that when I first started my company, I was offered to do training for a company. And the only thing they said to me was, you can't talk about selling in a skirt at all. It's all about our stuff. You're going to have to put selling in a skirt on hold for about a year. And, but, and they were offering me a ton of money. And you know yeah. as well as I do, when you're an entrepreneur and somebody says to you, I'm going to put you on retainer, well, that's like really cool. Yeah. And so I said yes. <laughs> I said yes. And I had a 40-minute drive back to my house. And when I was in the car, I remember my stomach was like – it was almost like I had an alien in it. It was all over the place. Oh, wow. My back was killing me. By the time I got home, I couldn't even stand up straight. And so I knew that I had made a poor choice for myself. And so I called the company and I said, you know, I, he said to me, oh, my God, we're so excited. We told everyone, blah, blah, blah. And I said, you know, mm-hmm. it's really not right for me. And he first he was like taken back. And then I yeah. said, but I have somebody else I want to recommend to you. And, and so once I got it out of my mouth. I, I stood up and I thought, oh, my God, you have so to listen to your gut. Well, but that's what happens. So I yeah. get the physical, physical part of it. It's like they're telling you to hide your child. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I can't. That's yeah. me. That's right. Yeah. What would you wear, pants? <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. I mean, that's exactly it was so it would be a not authentic Judy that showed up and people would would know that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's really interesting. You know, you talk about risk management in the book, and I really like what you said. You said that there's four ways to deal with risk, accept it, transfer it, reduce it, or eliminate it. But most entrepreneurs gamble on success. And that is so true. I mean, you don't go into starting your own business thinking, oh, I'm going to fail. You, no. It's not a thought in your head. So, you know, yeah. you don't and, think and- about it. No, you don't think about it. And the other thing you, you do and don't think about is you, look, you watch everybody else on social media and you go, oh, my God, you know, this is an overnight sensation. And I could do that, too. First of all, there is no overnight sensation. Um, they're 10 years in the making. So you sure. have to remember that as an entrepreneur. But the other part is just because they're doing it doesn't mean it's going to work for you. And so you have to keep telling yourself, you know, okay, I can gamble on that and I could do exactly what they're doing, but maybe it's not going to work for me. 
And so you have to you have to try to decide like how much of a risk are you willing to take and how much are you willing to gamble. And so you do gamble a little bit. You go, oh, I could try it, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. But I always tell people if you really think it's it, it should be part of your program or whatever, try it. What's the worst that's going to happen? It right. either work it works or it doesn't. There's nothing in between. It's not going to oh, kind of work. No, it's either going to work or not. And so I've I've tried a couple of things and I've you know risked and I put my neck out there a bunch of times and did it ever hurt? Yeah, it did when I had to stop it. But, yeah. you know, it is what it is. But, you, okay, I'm glad you brought up social media because it's mm. also in the book. <laughs> what you're putting out on social media. Yeah, yeah. So and you your mean, brand. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so have you, do you watch people? I mean, I watch people. Yes. I love to see what people are doing and I get so excited for people. And yet I see people that are saying things that are so not true. And I know they're not true, but I'll never say anything because sure. I yeah. can't, I mean, I would never do that. But, People put out there what they want you to hear, and they want you to read, and they want you to see. They'll never put out there that you're struggling. Very few people will ever say, right. oh, my God, I'm struggling today, or I can't pay my – no one's going to say that. Yeah. But, but people are going to say, oh, I went to sleep last night, and I got 27 speaking engagements and 16 new clients, and, and wow, you know, my website is awesome. Okay, so is that true or not true? You know, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, to me, I would rather just – I post every single day, every single day, because I do believe you have to be consistent. Yeah. But I po when I wake up in the morning, I go, okay, how am I feeling today? And so I will post something, an image or a, 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 some kind of a quote or whatever about how I'm feeling. And nobody really knows it's how I'm feeling, but, but I put it out there. And then all of a sudden, everybody's going, oh, my God, how did you know I felt like that today? Yeah. Right? So I'm just consistent. I want to be – I want people to be able to know – that I'm here. And when I don't post by 7 a.m., people will call me and say, are you okay? Oh, wow. I love that. Yeah. But you know, my dad was the consummate salesman. And how are you? I'm fantastic. Mm -hmm. Even mm -hmm. today, 94, right? I'm fantastic. I go, no, you're not. He goes, no, I'm fantastic. I go, no, you're not. He goes, okay, well, I got a little something, but I'm fantastic. You know, and, but that was his image that he always wanted to be fantastic. Why, why? Nobody wants to hear you're, that you're not. You know, right. and I understand what you're saying on social media. Like, be authentic, be real. People, you know, if you've got problems, other people have problems. That's right. Know, right? Um, and people want to get to know you. Yeah. And, and how are they supposed to know you if all you tell them is everything is fantastic? And it's okay to say everything is great. Yeah. But you can also be a little bit real. Like, you know, I, I put this out the other day, and it didn't turn out the way I wanted. Anybody else have, have, have that happen to them? I mean, put it that way if you don't want to say That's that. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Let's let's you talk about healthy relationships in mm -hmm. business and mm -hmm. in other in other ways. Um, and you say to invest in other people's success. And I like that. And you do that as a mentor and because you really want to help people be successful. And I think that that's amazing. Uh, what other ways or things would be healthy? Well, I think that supporting each other is probably the healthiest way that you can, you know, invest in each other. Because if you needed help, I want to support you. And I have to offer it without you, without expecting you to, you know, to return that favor. You know what I mean? So I have to yeah. give, give without any chance of receiving because it will or it won't. But that's how you do it. That's and how you, and you say that women have a very difficult, we're going to go to commercial in 15 seconds, but we can talk about when we come back that women, you say women have a hard time receiving. Yes. Uh, we're good. We're good at giving. And yes. I wonder if that's just a giver's trait. We'll talk about that when we come back. Don't go anywhere. We got another segment with Judy. Yay. <laughs> 
That's right. Don't stop listening. Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso will continue right after these messages. Stop. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors, all quilters just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com slash radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. This is the Tokinet Radio Network, radio with a cutting edge. It's words you never heard. Have you ever walked into a room on a mission to get something and totally forgot what you went in there for? I do it all the time, which makes me feel like a total civ head, as the Brits would say. Some might blame it on old age, but a recent study reported in the Quarterly Journal of Experimental Psychology suggests the simple act of passing through a doorway causes memory lapses. It appears the brain regards a doorway as an event boundary and effectively files away whatever you were thinking about as soon as you step through. What's a word for the feeling your thoughts are being stolen? Nucleptia. So, what's the solution? Try carrying an object that reminds you of the task. For example, if you go into another room to get a pair of scissors, carry the object you want to cut. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Word. And we're back, and I said we were going to talk to Judy Hoberman about uh, about giving and, and why it's so difficult sometimes to receive. Now, I know for myself, it's so much more comfortable for me to give than to receive. And, and it's possible because we're women, or it's just possible because it feels so good to give, but you know, somebody has to uh, receive and somebody, and, and you have to learn. I mean, I actually had to teach myself and stop myself and say, you know what? You have to give somebody else the pleasure of giving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's so funny because some people will say, I receive what you're saying because that really gives them a moment to, mm-hmm. to actually do that. And when the first time I heard somebody say, I receive, I thought, well, that is bizarre. But all of a sudden I said it once, I go, I am receiving what you said. And I thought to myself, okay, so I can take the compliment or I can take what they're offering me. You know, think about a compliment. When somebody says to you, oh, I love, I, you look awesome. The first thing you say is, oh, this, I went into Marshall's and bought this, you know, like $10. Yeah. (laughs) And so, you know, I always tell everybody that when I, when I speak or when I coach, I always say, if somebody says something nice to you, I want you to say these two little tiny words. Thank you. Don't say anything else. And it's hard for us. And I, I, I I don't know if there's really any science to it other than we, you know, that's what we do or don't do. 
Well, you, you need to learn the art of acknowledgement and the art of receiving that. And that's, that's kind of cool. You talk about so many things in this book, and I'm not going to get to it all, obviously, uh, understanding values. And I, and I love that you talk about the art of listening. And so that when you say I received what you just said, you're actually listening. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that helps you ground what you just heard. So that's pretty good. Yeah. And, you know, listening is one of the hardest things that we do or don't do. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's very hard to be an active listener. It really, truly is. So when I meet anyone, the first thing I say to them is, are you okay if I take notes? Mm-hmm. Now, they're either going to say yes or no, but no one's ever said no to me. And, and for me, it makes me very focused and I can listen to exactly what they're saying. And I hear in their own words what's important to them. And so that's the listening portion of it. And when you actually listen to somebody, mm-hmm. um, it, it's a whole different level that you're on. But again, listening is not an easy thing. You really have to practice. It isn't easy. And I loved that you wrote, and I quote, uh, most people don't listen with the intent to understand. They listen with the intent to reply. And that is so true. And that, so, is, so from, true. that is from Stephen Covey. Mm-hmm. Because that is exactly, and it is so very true. You are right. It is very true. And, and you know, and, and the, the problem is that that's how we've all been brought up. I did a class on active listening, and it was a four-hour class. I'm not sure how anybody can actively listen for four hours. So I had yeah. to do a lot of interaction and a lot of activities. And this, the um, surveys came back so great that they asked me if I would do an eight-hour active listening. Oh, my gosh. And I said, yeah, no, it's not going to happen. They said, well, yeah. just wing it. I'm like, no, nobody could actively listen for eight hours. That's craziness. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. yeah decisiveness you talk about decisiveness and making choices and and there's a quote in the book um i am who i am because uh today because of the choices i made yesterday and that's from eleanor roosevelt Mm -hmm. and it's it's so appropriate and so true people you know they're afraid to make a choice or they make a choice they're afraid it's gonna be the wrong choice or they just don't own up to their choices yeah but not making a choice is a choice too it is yeah yeah you can't just not vote (laughs) <laughs> right, right, right. Well, you can, but then you can't complain about the exactly. outcomes of anything. But exactly. yeah, I think that, you know, um, a lot of people prefer to work with men because men are much more decisive. Mm-hmm. They do make uh, an immediate reaction. They have an immediate reaction to something, and they also make these um, decisions that eliminate like an hour in your appointment. Okay? It's like, yeah, I want this, and this is how much I want to spend, or whatever. But the truth is that women are the reason that we don't make the um, decision so quickly is because we want to get all the information and we want to find out for the people that it's going to be affected by what their buy in is. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. if we don't make a decision on the first time, we are going to make a decision, but we might have to talk to other people that either have done this before or have used this person before or is this really valuable for me and for my family? And so I think that's that's part of it. And sometimes people just like you to make the decision for them. Well, yeah. Especially sales, true. right? It's like, yes. what do yeah. you think? You know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's, 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 push it, let's, yeah, let's push it right over here. <laughs> Strategic planning. I like you. You wrote, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm not a strategist. I'm an implementer. And when I worked for the government in those couple of years that I actually worked for corporate too, um, it was it was, I ended up in the strategic planning section. <laughs> I'm like, how did I get here? Uh, but it was interesting because I don't like the term coaching and I, I took on solution strategist and I think, cause what do people want in the end? They want a positive outcome. So mm-hmm. that, that's kind of where, where my thought process was, but you have to be a strategic planner. Um, 
is part of you know you, you talk about is walking on the glass floor because strategic planning really is thinking about you know how you're going to get from a to b Yes, and I agree. And so when I tell people that I'm going to do some strategizing, my friends will all be cracking up because that is not me. You just tell me where to show up and I will be there. I will get this everything done. But my husband is a retired colonel. And so when I talk about like, oh, I'm going to be on Frankie's show today, you you will be on the whiteboard. Okay, let me tell you where this will go and let me tell you how this – I'm like, no, put away the whiteboard. I couldn't do that either. And we have have friends that we actually do have these strategic planning sessions. And I always have to have my back to the whiteboard Mm -hmm. because I actually physically get nauseous. I just don't want to do this. I don't want to do it. I don't don't like filling out forms. (laughs) (laughs) Just tell me where to show up. I'm there. I'll do it. I promise I'll be awesome. But mm -mm, no, mm -mm, don't want to do it. I love it. We're so common. We've got so much in common. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's hilarious. Okay. So there was two. We we talked about it off air, but there was two terms that came up in the book. Servant leadership and followership. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So somebody asked you, you, are you a servant leader? And you go, what's that? I would have said, what the hell is that, too? Because I have no idea. (laughs) What is that? And I thought maybe it was a term that they used in Dallas because I had yeah. never heard it before I moved to Dallas. I go, oh, yeah, I'm a servant leader. Yeah, oh, I'm a church ser- thing or something. Yeah, I, mean, I, had, <laughs> I had no idea what it meant. And then all of a sudden, everybody was saying they were servant leaders. Uh-huh. And I thought, well, okay. So then I had to you know, dig a little bit to find out what it was. And it really is. And it's nothing more than what we all do anyways. You know, we, we give and we, we mentor and we support and we serve. And we want to make sure that somebody else has the opportunities and the, the okay. chances and they're in the environment to get things done, have somebody help them. So that's really being a servant leader. You, you are, you are performing the, the, I don't want to call it miracles, but miracles maybe is the right word for people that may not have the ability to have what you offer. Got you. Got okay? you. But the yeah. followership I thought was a Yogi Berra term. I really <laughs> honestly did. Do you have followership? Yeah. Yeah. My, my husband said something about, you know, in order to be a good leader, you have to be a, you have to, in a good leadership, you have to have good followership. I'm like, followership? What is that? Is and that when you stand in line in March? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's what I thought. It's got to be a military yeah. term. But yeah. when you really think about it, if you want people to follow you, you have to be able to follow somebody else. You have yeah. to be able to show that you have the same kind of ability that they need to be a good leader. You know, mm-hmm. so so followership is really just it's the next portion of being a good leader is that you can follow and people will follow you. And so it's it, it, I don't know. It's just it was just a yeah. bizarre. Term. Yeah. It's an interesting term. Yeah, it's a bizarre term, but it, but it means a lot. It does. It means a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I like to think about leadership in terms of um, where it's going in, in, as a facilitative, you know, methodology rather than a patriarchal, just, you know, it's not dad says do this. It's more, how can I help you get to where, like you, how can I help you get to where you need to go? Or how can I facilitate this for you? And right. and I think that's a kinder, gentler, nicer way of, of leading people. Well, you know how they always say it's not what you say, it's how you say it? Yeah. So there are people that have like the, um, you know, the, the, like the hammer, like they're the hammer. They, they tell people, this is what you're going to do. This is how you're going to do it. Instead yeah. of saying, you know, here's a way of doing something. Yeah. It, it's, you're saying exactly the same thing, but people hear it more because you're not that dictator. You are somebody that is a collaborator. You are somebody that is giving them the right message. And people will listen to you more than that. And they won't complain about it. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, they'll they'll be encouraged to actually do what you want them to do, and they'll think it's such a great idea because of the way you presented it. The the, the last leadership quality, and I think we touched on it a little bit, was generosity. But how do you see generosity as a leadership quality? So when you ask people about how how do you become generous, most people mm-hmm. say it's money, and to me, uh-huh. it is not. That's not generous. No. Generosity is giving something that is the most valuable commodity you have, and that's your time. Mm -hmm. And when you give somebody some time, you will never get that back. So I always think that when somebody offers me their time, there's, I mean, wow, like how important am I that I'm getting their time? We have 86,400 seconds in a day. That's it. Oh, wow. yeah. So, <laughs> so, so think about that. So if I am not doing anything for 90 seconds, I'm not getting that back. But if I said to you, Frankie, I would really love to spend, you know, a couple of hours with you or a couple of minutes with you or whatever. And I would love to help you get to, you know, get your book out or whatever it is. I'm giving you something that there's no yeah. way I can ever get back. So to me, that's generosity. But it I also is. think I also think mentorship is huge in generosity. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I it's one of my we didn't touch on it, but it's a value. And like probably my top five values in there is generosity and flexibility. Cause I think you have to be flexible uh, to be a good leader. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, you know, flexibility, uh, sometimes people think that that's a bad word. Like if you go yeah. into sales and somebody says, I want to do this because of the, it's flexible. A lot of people will go, Oh, so you don't want to work. Mm-hmm. That's not what flexible means. Flexible just means that you have the ability to do things and you do it on your time, how you can do it, but you get it all done. Yeah. So. I need it that way. Yeah. <laughs> I need things I that way. A lot of us need it that way. Yeah. Because you know that you're going to come up with the deliverables. You know that. That's a given. It, we don't have to work the nine to five. And you know what? As an entrepreneur, you probably work harder, longer hours than you would ever work for anybody else. Uh, crazy hours. Yeah. You know? I mean, like you said, you're posting at seven. Like, who goes to work and post at seven? Nobody, mm-hmm. right? So, you're, you know, you, when you work for yourself, it's, um, well, your passion is there. And so, you, you know, you're, you're giving to yourself too. But generosity, I think, is really huge. And I love that you are so generous with your time, with your mentorship, with your foundation. Uh, when is this book coming out and when can everybody buy it? Um, it's it's going to come out the uh, the first quarter of 2018. So if you're connected with me at all on any part of social media, either Judy Hoberman or Selling in a Skirt, you will see everything coming out. Uh, Walking everything. on the glass floor. Walking on the glass floor. Yay! Uh, <laughs> she did it. Yay! So this is a wonderful, wonderful book. Men and women will both learn from it. It yes. doesn't. You don't have to wear a skirt. Um, the acronym, remember the acronym, stand out, keys to success, inspiring others, results-oriented, and time management. So those are, are really great um, values and, and, and great words to live by if you want to be successful in life. Judy Hoberman, thank you so, so much for being my guest today. And thank all of you for tuning in and listening to another episode of Mission Unstoppable Radio. I'm your host, Frankie Picasso. When the chips were down, they didn't stop. Stories of people who, when the odds were against them, turned defeat into victory. You've been listening to Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso. See you next time, and always remember... Don't, 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 don't stop.